Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we've been on a series called Living in Liberty. I don't know if you've been enjoying this message or not, but it's been ministering a lot to me. And so God keeps speaking to me things about it and keeps growing me. So I hope it's been a blessing to you. Each week I've tried to have a little different like uh, phrase on that specific week. And this week, we're going to call it the progression of liberty. So the overall series, Living in Liberty, but today we're going to talk about the progression of liberty. So if you've got the sermon notes there on your YouVersion Bible app, or you can uh, get the worship guide, we've got some paper notes for you in there. Watching online, you can use the YouVersion, or they will be on our website. You can get those there. But here at the Rose Church, we get excited about the Bible. Why? Because we believe that God wants to speak to us, that every time we open it up, we're expecting to hear His voice. Let's go, come on, let's get ready. Let's let the Lord know that we're excited about what he's going to say to us today, that we are happy about his word. If you've got your Bibles today, let's open them up to Galatians chapter 5. Woo! Come on, people. We love you, Mount Carmel. Thank you, E-Roads family. People saying a little shout out even in their own homes. Galatians chapter 5, talking about the progression of liberty. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 as soon as, uh, as, soon as I'm ready there. If I get my thing to turn. The right way. There we go. Galatians chapter 5. Give me time to turn there. Not really. I'm just stalling because I wasn't ready. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Let's write, read right here in verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So freedom, liberty in Christ, bondage outside of Christ. Take note of that. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. In other words, you try and do it on your own. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You become estranged from Christ, separated from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law or by your own righteous living or by your own merit, like you've got to deserve it, you've got to earn it. You're separated from Christ when you do that. You've fallen from grace or fallen from the principle of being saved by grace through faith. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Jump down to verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. I just thank you that it's life to, the, to us today. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Nobody's here to hear me. We're all here for you. We're all here to experience you, to hear from your word, for you to speak into our hearts and show us truth. So I bind every lie of the enemy. I break down walls through the power of the name of Jesus that we will hear clearly your voice and the voice of a stranger we will run from because we know that you have hope and peace for us. So Lord, I just thank you for what you're going to do today, what you've already done. All the glory to you ahead of time. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. So in these passages of scriptures, talking about liberty, stand fast in liberty, you've been called to liberty. Today we'll talk about the progression of liberty. 
Progression of liberty. I'm going to give you three. We're not going to get to all three today. I already realized that in the first service. So we're only going to get through two of them. But here's the progression of liberty. There are three Ds. Easy to remember. Number one is define. You've got to define liberty. We'll jump into that first. Secondly, declare liberty. Once you define it, then you've got to declare it. Number three, once you define, declare, then you've got to defend. Defend liberty. So in order for us to live in liberty, the idea is living in liberty, it's this progression. I've got to define what liberty is. I've got to declare it. Then I've got to defend it. So let's look at the first one. Are you ready? Let's talk about defining liberty. Defining liberty. Notice it said stand fast in, in, uh, in liberty and being called to liberty. So what is liberty? What does it look like? How do I know if I'm in it? How do, how do I know if I'm not living in it? So if I'm supposed to stand fast in liberty, if I'm supposed to be called to liberty, said, how do I know if I'm there? How do, I, how, how do I know if I'm walking in it right now? Am I in liberty right now? Do I feel like I'm in liberty? Sometimes I don't feel like I'm in liberty. So if I don't feel like it, am I not in liberty? Have you ever been like that? I know I talk a little fast sometimes. It was like if we go by our feelings as our barometer, as if we're in liberty or not, we're never going to actually be in liberty because we're in bondage to our emotions. So what does, what does it look like? What's true liberty? Because look what it says in verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. There's a specific liberty. Which one are we supposed to be standing in? In the one that Christ has made us free. In that liberty. So there's a liberty connected to Christ, to Jesus. That's the liberty that God is saying we got to stand fast in. Not the liberty anybody else is talking about. The one that Christ has set us free. So now when I talk about progression of liberty, I'm talking about the progression of application of liberty, not the progression of availability of liberty. Because when it says the, progress, the liberty that Christ has made us free... We were made free in Christ when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. That liberty was purchased for you and me when Jesus died on the cross. So there's a difference between the application of liberty and the availability of liberty. You got to get this. This is going to be a foundational point for today. Just because something is not applied does not mean it's not available. Jesus made my liberty complete liberty. I mean complete liberty available to whosoever when he died and rose from the grave over 2,000 years ago. But I did not apply that liberty, and I still have not applied all of that liberty in every area of my life. I'm still a work in progress. There's a difference in the progression of liberty and the perfection of liberty. Jesus was the perfection of liberty. Now, I'm walking out the progression of the liberty completely available that I am applying as I go. You see what it works? So the liberty that Jesus has for me is not partial. It's full. When I use my faith to apply it means I grab it in partial in other words, I can receive Christ and be born again, and in that salvation package is total freedom in every area of my life now. Now, we have to apply it through understanding by learning and realizing and taking off layers and saying, hey, that's mine, I can have that. So I want to talk about the difference between application and availability. 
The absence of application of liberty does not always mean the absence of availability. Here's what's happening in our society right now. We're wanting totality of experience to verify or or make it valid that it's actually there and that we can't do that because there's going to be cases where something is available to all but not experienced by all. Just because it is not experienced by everyone doesn't, um, doesn't mean it's not available to everyone. There's all kinds of things that are available to me right now in Christ that I may or may not be experiencing depending on the day and depending upon my mood. There's times that I can tap into the things that God has for me, experience it, walk right into it, be living my best life in Jesus, and then maybe an hour later I make a wrong decision, I don't apply what God's telling me to apply, and I experience totally something different. It doesn't mean it wasn't available for me all day long, I just chose to apply it when I wanted to. It's tough love, but it's the truth. So we got to look at this, the availability. I just want to make sure and lay the groundwork that everything for you and me in Christ is already available. It's already available. He doesn't have to die again. He's already died once. You don't have to earn something else. You don't have to be a good enough person to get what's available. It's all available to you. Complete redemption, complete forgiveness. Well, you don't understand, Chad. I've I've been in, I'm out, I'm in and out. I've done this one. This sin was really bad. I was okay with here, but then this one, I did this one. It's really bad. No, Jesus' blood covers it all. It's all available. Yeah, but Chad, don't don't I like? I get so many passes, then eventually I can't. No, it's unlimited access. That kind of liberty. That kind of liberty. So, what is this? Stand fast in the liberty. What does liberty mean? Personal freedom, we talked about this, three things, servitude, confinement or oppression, freedom of choice, freedom from limitation or restrictions, freedom from unjust authority. All those are only found in Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can provide these. He's the only one that can provide us true liberty. John 8, 36 says this, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed. True freedom is only found in Jesus. True freedom. I want to distinguish something for you. There's a difference in liberty and freedom and independence. There's the misconception sometimes in our life that we think that independence means freedom. Our freedom is not, (laughs) I'm going to blow our mind a little bit here, but our freedom is not so much attached to our independence as it is to our dependence. The extent of my freedom in life is not attached to my independence. Sometimes we think, I'm independent. I can do what I want when I want. That's not independent. Sometimes we think, about, you know, I, I don't want to be caught in the restrictions and the barriers of church and God and what I can do and can't do. I want to be free to do whatever I want. You're not free. I've lived that. I've been there. I wasn't free. My flesh told me what to do, when to do, and how to do it. It told me where to go. My feelings and my emotions pulled me this way, that way. I was just a puppet on a string of however I felt. That's what I did. I was not independent. I was totally in slavery and bondage to my sin. I said I was free. I can do what I want. I can go where I want. You're not free. Only freedom, true independence is found in submission to Jesus. William Wood said this Saturday in in our meeting, and it was so powerful that I wanted to bring it into this message, that that my liberty, my independence is only directly related to my attachment to the liberator. 
My, my independence, my liberty is in direct proportion to my connection to the liberator. In other words, the, the extent that I'm connected to Jesus is the extent I will experience freedom in my life. The moment I think I don't need God, I've got this all on my own, I'm good. I'll handle this myself. I'll take care of it. Jesus, take a break. I got this. <laughs> That's always the preface before a very bad decision in Chad Everett's life. Same, same thing the devil's been trying to do since Genesis chapter 3 in the beginning. In the beginning, he comes to Adam and Eve. Say, hey, what's up, girl? Said, hey, uh, God said you can't eat the fruit. Psst. He's holding out on you. He's trying to keep you in bondage, trying to hold you back. You need freedom. You need liberty. You need to be like me. You need to be free to do whatever you want. So he tried to tell them that independence from God would bring them freedom. But the opposite is true. The only thing, they were living in liberty until they chose sin and that brought them right into bondage. So don't let the devil fool you that independence is found in doing what you want when you want. That is not independence. Independence is found is when you're dependent on Jesus. When you're dependent on the liberator. When I'm connected to the liberator, then I am free from the things that the enemy has to uh, offer me. Let me give you an example of this. I'm going to read this in, in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation because I want us to see the difference in living in freedom and living in bondage. Here's what it says. Romans 6, do not let sin control the way you live. Who's in control? Sin or you? Do not give in to sinful desires. Sinful desires are going to try and control me. They're going to try. He said, don't give in to them. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve in. Instead, give yourselves completely, be dependent on God, for you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Notice the distinction. Sin's not your master anymore. You live in freedom in God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Verse 16 is so powerful. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? This is not just salvation and eternity we're talking about. I'm talking about even in the moment. When I choose to obey that feeling or emotion, I become that slave. When, I, when that feeling comes up and says, respond this way, say this, say it, say it. When you do that, you become a slave to that thought. Who are you choosing to obey? Who's your daddy? Is my temper going to be my daddy or is Jesus going to be my daddy? Is my own selfishness, my own pride going to be my daddy or is Jesus going to be my daddy? Well, they shouldn't have done that, so I have the right to do. The moment we give the, the steering wheel over to someone else and let them determine what I get to do by their behavior, I am no longer in control. They are in control. I can say I'm independent all day long, but it doesn't matter. As long as someone else can pull my string and get me to do what they want to do, then I'm not in control. They're in control. Yeah. All they got to do is cuss me, do something, say something, pull out in front of me. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> doesn't matter. 
Also, all, all my wife has to do is just not do something I want her to do. And oh, oh, I get to do this because she did that. Who's in control, me or her? Oh, we don't want the tough stuff. Let's go back to the scripture, Chad. Stop improvising. Go keep reading the Bible. It says you can be a slave to sin. Oh, yeah, this gets a lot better. I hope you feel better about that. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Our call. You know, it's really our call. You can either be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Which one would you do that? It seems so simple on paper. I mean, it's a little harder when we go to apply it. Because in the moment, our emotions, our feelings, our selfishness, our pride kicks in. We want to justify ourselves. We want to defend ourselves. Thank God, verse 17. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching which we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. You become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, in other words, you did what you wanted when you wanted, how you wanted, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. Let me modernize that and make it a little bit before. Said so when you did what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, how you wanted to do it, how'd that work out for you? That's what he says. He said, what's the end result? How many of you ever had this situation? I'll, I'll just keep it about myself. You guys just observe. <laughs> there are times when I... I know that when I respond to my flesh and I do what my flesh wants to do or I say something or I think something, I give in to a feeling, whether it's something with my wife, something with my kids, something I see on TV, something on the news, something with whatever. Another person says something, does something. I know whenever I yield to that thought and now my behavior begins to change and I start to shut down, I start to protect myself, I start to get focusing on myself, start defending myself, start to think about that, then I know I start getting this feeling of, yuck. I start getting grouchy starting to get irritable, nothing's good, I'm getting discouraged, everything's bad. And I hear this verse, God starts speaking to me in those moments and he said, hey Chad, how's this working out for you? Are you done yet? I'll be like, no, just a few more minutes. He's like, okay, we can stay in it as long as we want to get in it or we can choose freedom. You know what freedom is? Ah! Dying to my flesh. Paul said, I crucify myself daily. It's crucifying. It's going to say, you know what? I don't want to feel this way anymore. I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry, kids. I'm sorry, friend. I'm sorry. I just don't want to feel this way. I'm sorry, Chad. Whatever you may need to do. Look what it says. But now you're free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's redefine liberty. Point number one is we got to define liberty. What does it mean? Here's how I'm redefining it. Liberty is independence through dependence. Through dependence, when I'm dependent on Christ, when I'm dependent on his word, when I'm dependent on what he says, I will experience true independence. I'm talking about independent from fear, 
independent from anxiety, independent from guilt, independent from condemnation, independent from hatred, anger, fleshly desires. When I'm dependent on Jesus, I am independent of those things, and I get to walk in the joy of the Lord. When I am dependent on God's love, I am independent of fear. Independent not in that it will not exist or come or offer something. I'm independent of its control. Big difference. There's never going to be a place where these things are not present. But it's going to be a difference whether I'm going to embrace them or accept them or not. Because I could give you, uh, (laughs) I would say day by day, but sometimes it's an hour by hour where sometimes Chad does great talk about myself in the third person, where I'm applying the truths of the word and I'm not experienced. I'm saying no, saying no to the offerings of the devil, saying no to the wrong thoughts. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Man, everything's good. Then all of a sudden something happens and I just go into agreement with a lie. And from that moment, I get in bondage to that thought. And this is what God's saying. I want you to walk in independence. Here's what independence means in Webster, not subject to the control of others. So if we want to live free from the control of others, what do we have to do? We have to get under the control of Jesus. Now what people say about you doesn't matter. Doesn't move me. Now if my wife's being the best wife in the world this day or not being the best wife in the world, it doesn't matter. It doesn't control me. Oh, is that easy. Praise the Lord. Huh? Come on. It's not. It's not, but it's still right. I'm just, I want us to walk in true freedom. Freedom is not Chad calling the shots. That's a dreadful day. You know when I'm walking my best life? is when I say, Jesus, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. That's freedom. Freedom. All right, so the defining freedom. Freedom through dependence. Let's look at the second one, second point. I'm only going to get through two of these, but I want to get into the second one. Once we define liberty, number two, we've got to declare liberty. Somebody say declare. Declare liberty. Once we have the proper definition, then we got to begin to declare over our lives the liberty we have defined prior to seeing it or experiencing it. This is important. I want to say it again. Once we define liberty, what we feel like it, so we're using God's word, John 8, 31, 32, your word is truth. I will abide in your word, Lord, and your, your word, uh, once you know the truth, the truth will make you free. So if truth brings freedom, God's word, then lie brings bondage. So I've defined what the truth is, what God says about my life, what my says about my situation. But once I've defined it, now I've got to declare it. Why do I have to declare it? Once we define, we begin to declare, it's important. We can declare before we experience. This is where I have trouble, maybe you have trouble, pray for me. Sometimes I have trouble declaring something before I see it. Because sometimes I think it's not real unless it's happening. But let me give you an example. We're celebrating this weekend, 4th of July, Independence Day. Well, on July 4th, 1776, they wrote the Declaration, declared the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. At the time that they wrote the Declaration of Independence and they listed 27 grievances, defined liberty, they defined liberty. Here's our liberty, 27 grievances against you. Only one of them was taxation without representation. That's the one that only most people know, but there were 27 of them. They said, this is not right, this is not right. This is right. So they listed this 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence, and then they signed it. John 
Hancock and the rest of the boys. So they signed all of it. That day that they signed it and declared their independence from Great Britain, were they independent? Absolutely not. At least nobody had told Great Britain they were independent. (laughs) Nobody let them in on the skinny that, hey, we're on our own. You're not the boss of us anymore. But they declared it before they experienced it. They declared it before they saw it. They declared it before they felt it. They declared it before they asked permission from their enemy. They didn't send a letter to the king and say, excuse me, king, but we would like to declare our independence from you if it's okay with you. That wouldn't have worked out. He wouldn't have given them permission. As long as the enemy can keep us in bondage, he will keep us in bondage. But at some point, we have to declare our agreement with the truth before we see the truth in application. That you declare to the enemy, you're not the boss of me anymore. I'm making that declaration today. I'm just telling you, this is not going to be, I'm not going to accept this anymore. So I got to declare it. So now, how does that work? How does that work? Let me give you an example. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Acts, Romans. Maybe you've heard this verse before, but I want to to break it down to you. And I'm going to go a little slow with this because I want this second point to really ring true because I, I felt like, God has been speaking to me lately and been talking to our team about it a lot, about the value of making disciples. Making disciples. That I'm really not wanting or to be impressed by the number of people that attend the church. I want to be measuring by how many people are growing into their identity in Christ. Because I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but the word Christian does not mean churchgoer. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. Christian doesn't mean churchgoer. You say, ask people sometimes, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to church. Sorry, I didn't say that. I said, are you a Christian? A Christian, the literal word, means Christ-like. Now, I'll be the first to say, I'm not Christ-like in every area of my life, but I'm not living this life out by my merit. I'm living it by grace. That's another part of the message. We can't stay there, but Romans, so, so we're wanting to, I'm wanting you to get it. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Look at this. Are you ready? It says this, for with the heart, when I say heart, I'm not talking about your blood pump, the organ in your body. I'm talking about your spirit, okay? You are a spirit being that will live in eternity somewhere. I had a great time trying to explain this to Lucas the other day. We we're talking about his spirit, and I said, well, not, not you in your spirit, your inner man. He's like, Who's inside of me? I said, you are. (laughs) I said, okay, Lucas. I still don't understand sometimes, but I get it. So your heart, we're talking about your heart. I'm talking about your spirit. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Notice the two parts of your body that are at work here. The heart or the spirit, both of them have a function. With the heart, with your spirit, you believe unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The word unto means towards a goal or a purpose. So this is important. We need to distinguish between the two. Our spirit, our heart, does the believing. 
Believing happens. We have to line up our heart, the responsibility of our spirit does the believing, then our mouth does the confessing. Why is it important to distinguish between the two? Because you can never confess your way into righteousness. With the heart, with the spirit, you believe. The Bible says that Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Because God knew something none of us could ever figure it out. He said, I want it never, I want your righteousness to never be based on your goodness. I want it to be based on your belief in Jesus' goodness. We still try and take control of it, make it about our goodness all the time, that we want to make ourselves righteous. But Jesus, who knew, oh Jesus. Jesus became righteousness for us. He knew no sin, but he became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in him. So with the heart, I believe that. I believe unto righteousness, but my mouth, confession is made, declare unto in the direction of salvation. Now, whenever we hear the word salvation, most people think forgiveness of, save, uh, forgiveness of sins, getting born again, and going to heaven. Not limited to that, inclusive of that, but the word salvation is the word, I'll give it to you there in your notes, soteria means delivered, safety, rescued, health, preserved from danger. So here's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting our mouth and our heart in harmony together, working in the right direction. Unto. So with the heart, I believe unto righteousness. So if you want to be in right relationship with Jesus today, all you got to do is believe. You got to believe right here. Believe in your heart. Believe in your spirit. You got to believe it. You can't think it. You can't rationalize it up here. It's too many times we're trying to serve God through our logic and our reasoning, and you will fail miserably. You have to believe. It has to be a belief. There's a faith function in our walk with Jesus. But we also have to confess. So declare. So here's the part that's important. We have to declare before we see. We got to declare before we experience. So with my mouth or with my heart, I believe, and then I start to confess. So my heart goes in a direction to what God says. I believe what God says. Then my confessor lines up in the same direction. I'm believing and speaking where I'm going, not necessarily where I am. To define liberty, to, to walk in liberty, to live in liberty, I got to be able to define it. Here's what liberty looks like. It's dependency on Jesus. That's what liberty is for me. Liberty is not letting Chad call the shots anymore. I lived that life. It didn't work out too good. I still try and live. I still try to battle that times where I want to call the shots. I don't do things. But I'm talking about living completely in submission to sin. It will never work. You will have like Devane had. You will have that hole. You will try to fill with this one, with that guy, with that girl, with that drug, with that whatever. It will never fill it. There's a hole on the inside of us that Jesus will only fill. So we define it. The true independence is only found in dependence. And number two, I've got to start declaring that liberty. Some people have trouble with this one because they think what they say doesn't matter. But here's what we do. We believe the right way, but we declare the wrong way. And even though we're trying to believe, we keep messing things up with our mouth. Or we say the right things, but we really don't believe it because we've learned Christianese. So we say the right things when people are around. We say the right, we give the right Bible trivial pursuit answer. But the Bible says it like this. It says, you honor me with your lips. 
You honor me with your lips. I love the Lord. I go to church. I'm a Christian. Honor my lips. But your heart is far from me. So we got to get our heart and our mouth going in the right direction to experience the liberty that God has for us. You got to believe it. You got to believe that something can change before it has changed. Here's what we do we got to remember this our God is a turner. We got pretty excited singing about today. He turns graves into gardens, mourning to dancing, shame into glory. But here's what we do too many times. We see graves, we say, graves. We see gardens, we say, oh, gardens. Graves. Gardens. Graves. Gardens. Whatever we see is what we say. I see good today, I speak good today. I see discouragement today, I speak discouragement today. I see hope today, I speak hope today. But that's not how God works. God sees darkness and says, light. (laughs) He had the audacity to look darkness straight in the eye and say, light be. Can we declare in the face of adversity what God says when we don't see it? Can we believe in our heart there's something different? Can we, can we say God's a turner, that he can turn my grave into a garden? So I see grave and I say garden, garden, garden. I believe a garden's blossoming out of you. I believe God's going to turn this for my good. I believe things are going to come out of this for my good. I thank you what the enemy meant for evil. God is turning for my good. I'm confessing, I'm declaring in blind with what I believe. In our society and what's going on around us, all we do is see despair, discouragement, and fear, and hopelessness, and ah, it's getting worse and worse. What about what we believe? How about we live in a life of liberty where I'm not bound by what the news says? Gives me permission whether I have hope today. I'm sorry, click. I got hope whether you have hope or not. Whether you're declaring hope to me or not, I have hope. Why? Because my hope is dependent on the liberator. And my hope is not dependent on the news. My hope is not dependent on that political party. My hope is dependent on Jesus Christ. So no matter what you say, I'm going to walk in liberty today. I'm going to believe it in my heart. I'm going to declare now, is this easy? No. I wish it was. If it was easy, I'd do it all the time. But I don't do it all the time. But I know this is the principle that God's given me. To walk in liberty, to walk in true independence of my life, i got to get my believer and my confessor, my declarer. So I just want to challenge you today. How are you defining liberty in your life? What's liberty look like for you? Is it you being the boss? How's that going to work out for you? I know we like it. We like driving the car. Woohoo! Where I want to go, when I want to go. But eventually we're going to make a wrong turn because we don't know the end from the beginning. But my daddy does. And if I will listen to him, he knows, don't take that road. What's the matter? This road looks good. Good pavement? Let's take this road. It's probably a shortcut. (laughs) I bet I'll get where I want to go a lot faster if I'll do this. Am I talking to anybody (laughs) not named Chad? Huh? 
We think that road looks good, promising. Enemy, enemy comes out that road. You know, like the little Caesars guy with the sign? That's what the enemy looks like on those roads to me sometimes. He's waving the sign and come on. Sometimes I'm like, doot, doot, doot. I just turn off there. And God's like, don't turn that. Don't turn that. I know it looks good, but right now, your, your future's up there. Your future's up there. So you just pray with me. Just bow your heads. and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you the same things I want him to show me. Show, show you areas of your life where you're in complete control and he's just asking for permission to show you a different way he wants to redefine liberty for you he wants you to experience real freedom not temporal freedom not emotional freedom not fleshly freedom that is passing because afterwards it leaves you wanting it leaves you place of trying to fill it again and again and again and again and again and again. you got to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. The devil's going to try and fool us all into thinking that true freedom is found in our independence. But I'm telling you, friend, I've found in my life that my true freedom lies in my dependence on God. Will you choose him today? Will you choose to lay down Will you choose to listen to the Holy Spirit and let Him give you directions for your life? Maybe you need to turn to God right now. Maybe you've ran away from God. Maybe you're watching online or watching there in Mount Carmel or right, right here in the service, listening to the podcast, whatever it is. And you say, I've, I've, I've tried to call the shots and now I feel God's saying something to me to come back. I want to let you have that opportunity to experience freedom in Jesus. It starts with you believing in your heart. Turn your believer on. It's not based on how good you are or what you deserve. It's based on do you believe? In the incredible grace of God to love you just the way you are and bring you into who he's called you to be. receive that? The audacity of grace? It's scandalous. It's crazy that you and I could never deserve it, but he still extends his love towards us. One requirement for freedom, it's your connection to Jesus. So if you'd like to accept Jesus into your heart today, if you'd like to turn back to God, or you know you need to get your relationship with Jesus right today. Maybe that you thought coming to church was good enough or you thought maybe just trying to be the best person I could be was good enough. It's not. Jesus said you must be born again. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.